Last week we began to speak about the, the fact that there are false teachers. The Scripture speaks about this over and over and over again. I plead with you not to be naive and think that there are not men and women who desire for you to follow them for a devious and devilish reason. Uh, They want you to follow after those things that are false and not those things that are true. And so we need to establish that there is those, that there is truth. There is that which is true. And what is true is found where? In the Word of God. And this truth is found in the Word of God by its plain sense interpretation. In other words, we're not going to take a verse and spiritualize it. We're going to take the verse, and what I mean by spiritualize it is there's a there's um, two words that are used when speaking about interpreting the scripture. There's exegete and there's eisegete. Now these are not important for you to understand. You don't need to remember those words, but you do need to remember what people do in interpret- interpreting the scripture. The wrong way and the devilish way, which is not new. These things have been done. You can look at all the way back to what many people call him a father of Christianity. His name was Origen. And he would spiritualize the scripture. He would take a verse and he would make his own meaning and put it into the verse. In other words, eisegesis is when you take your your own thoughts and you force them into the verse. Rather than reading the verse and interpreting it by what is plainly being spoken and let that be what comes out. In other words, where's the meaning come from? Is it coming from my brain to the verse? Or is it coming from the verse to my brain? Which one's the right way? From the verse to my brain, right? Not the other way around. And sadly, many false teachings come... They, they say, I believe the Bible, when in fact they don't. And they say, well, I, I, I read the Bible, and when I preach, I preach from the Bible. But when they're preaching from the Bible, they're taking their own ideas, and they're forcing them into the Scripture, and, and making the Scripture say something it in fact does not say at all. Right? Now, this is not, it's not in fact hard to do. Any Bible teacher can do that, and they can even do it accidentally. All right. Now, some do it on purpose, and many people do it on purpose. But is it possible for your pastor to interpret something wrong in the Scripture and teach you something wrong? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? This is what you do about it. You study the Scripture yourself. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. You know who they were searching out? Who they were double checking on? The Apostle Paul. Let me tell you who Pastor John is not. He is not the Apostle Paul. 
And so if the Apostle Paul needs to be checked up on by the Word of God, you can be sure even Pastor John does, or especially Pastor John. Now that's not the point. They're good men who interpret things wrong accidentally. And we can disregard that by studying the Scripture ourselves and not taking, you know, not saying, well, this famous man who's a good guy. I'm going to take what he says at face value because he's famous and he's, he's a good guy. And, and maybe he's even been quoted by, uh, by Pastor John. I don't quote too many guys very often. I try to, to not do that too often. But, uh, but it's important that we don't do that, you know? You know, one of the men that influenced me as I was growing up as a Christian was John Piper. And here's the thing. John Piper interprets some scriptures off, way off. I wouldn't put him in the false prophet category, but I would say this. There's some things that he says that I disregard because he got it wrong. I don't believe that's what the scripture teaches. All right. But there are other men, no doubt. They are. They are false teachers all the way. They are devilish. They are, I I would not even say that they're saved. And let me ask you, if you were to go back 150 years ago, how would you hear from a false teacher? Maybe you'd travel to the next town and and hear them. Or or maybe you'd get on your horse and and go... uh, 50 miles because he's, he's famous, right? Or maybe you'd get on a train. Or maybe you'd buy a book, right? Today, how can you hear a false teacher? Turn on the TV? Get on the, get on the radio? Get on the internet? You don't need to wait for it to be broadcast. It's broadcast anytime you want to. Anywhere in the world that's connected to the internet. Right? And so, how careful do we have to be? Do you know how many people preach and put it on the radio? Or put it on the internet? There's probably a million. A million! How many of them are false teachers? Say, there's a hundred thousand That's a stinking lot of people, isn't it? And the sad thing is, is Christianity in America and in Western culture has become in the past 50 years, and it's slowed down. And part of the reason is because of what Christianity has become in the past 50 years. Why Christianity is struggling in America is because charlatans have made merchandise of people. In other words, they're... Desire in starting a church is for the church to make the money. The reason why we're going to be on TV is so that I can make some money. And this is a wrong thing, isn't it? Why should a person, person preach the Word of God? Because the Word of God is true. Because the Word of God transforms people's lives. Because the Word of God is the only way unto salvation. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Right? So the the Scripture speaks about the preacher being 
being given offerings or, or to be to be considered because they're preaching. In fact, he even says to give a double portion, right? What does that mean? Does that mean that the preacher should be a millionaire? Does that mean that the preacher should be doing what they're doing in order to even make a living? No. I praise God that we that we have a church where I'm I don't have to go into to sell insurance in order to make sure that that I can put food on the table. I praise God for that. But if my reason for being a pastor is or becomes this is the way I put food on the table, is that good or bad? It's a bad thing, isn't it? And what Christianity in, in Western culture has become, and it's not, not primarily or even, uh, even mostly or, or whatever, but what it has unfortunately had in its, in its, what's going on in our world is, is this is one way in which to be a capitalist. I can make money by leading a church. And if I can do it well, I can make more money. And this is bad. In fact, I think it's one of the reasons why so many are turned off from Christianity. They see it for what it is. And by the way, this can be the case in mega churches and it can be the case in the country church. And it's important that you pray for me that that doesn't become my motivation. Right? Because here's what happens when that becomes the motivation of any church or leader of the church. The one especially who's getting paid. If I can get more people in, I'll get more money. You know what the best way to not get more, to get more people in is don't preach the truth of the word of God. Because the truth of the word of God is offensive. How many churches said, you know what? We're not only going to, we're only, not only not going to preach against homosexuality as a sin, we're going to affirm it. But why do they do that? You know, the church across the street from URI, do you think they always had a, a, a rainbow saying we welcome everybody? By the way, our church welcomes everybody. <laughs> if you're a homosexual, we want you to come to this church and not that church. Why? Because you're going to learn the truth here and have an opportunity to be saved. That makes sense? And you're going to find kindness and love here. All are welcome to come and hear the word of God, which is true. And by the grace of God, that they'll hear the word of God. They'll hear the truth in love, right? The truth in love is much better than false truth and false love. But that's what many churches have done. This is what we see amongst the, the most popular churches in the world. You ask the leaders of Elevation what they believe about the Bible principles laid out in the Word of God. And they're going to say, well, there's certain sins that we do think are sins and there are certain things that we don't really believe about the Bible. We think the Bible's wrong in this. And that's foolishness, right? It's foolishness. And so we, we need to understand that there are 
things, people, teachers who teach false things for false reasons. And so if you look there in Matthew chapter 7. By the way, what they're ultimately leading you towards is the wide gate, right? We learned that last week. They're leading you to the wide gate that leadeth to destruction. The wide path. Now, can you lose your salvation? If you're saved, can you lose your salvation by listening and following a false teacher? No. You can't. Praise God for that. It's by His mercy that we're saved and not by our works. But it sure can lead to some bad things. And I've seen that personally. And so in verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly there are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And so Jesus here, again, he's warning of false prophets. And, and last week we went through many verses that prove that there are false prophets. Well, how are we going to know them? How are we going to know them? The scripture says that we will know them by their fruits. We'll know them by their fruits. We're not going to know them necessarily by their bark. We're not going to know them by their branches. We're not going to know them by their root system. How are we going to know them? By their fruits. Right? If you found a cluster of grapes in the midst of a thorn bush, would you think, hmm, I guess these grapes came from this thorn bush? Of course not. Right? You'd say, where did these grapes come from? Because they didn't come from this thorn bush. And Jesus is declaring here, you'll know them by their fruits. You'll know them by their fruits. How, what fruits are we going to know them by? I think there's three things. The first thing is we're going to know them by their words. What is their doctrine? You see, the fruits of a preacher are his teachings. And if a man is teaching wrong things, the very things that are coming out of his mouth are his fruits and they're wrong. How do we know they're wrong? Of course, by the Word of God. Turn just a few pages over to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 31, wherefore, Jesus again is speaking. He says, wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, uh, neither in the world to come. And so here we have the sin against the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know what the sin against the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit's job is to declare man's sinfulness and Christ's death for sin. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. And when we tell the Holy Spirit, no, that's not true, what are we saying that the Holy Spirit is? 
a liar, right? We're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. We're saying, Holy Spirit, you're telling lies. You don't get saved that way. There's a hundred ways to get saved. You don't get saved that way. You get saved by being good, and I'm good enough for heaven. That's what most people say to the Holy Spirit. If you've ever tried to to, to give the gospel to somebody, if they don't accept the gospel, it's it's almost always this. If there is a heaven, I'm good enough for it. You know, everybody thinks they're good enough for heaven, and nobody thinks their neighbor's good enough for heaven. There's a problem there, isn't there? Because if your neighbor thinks they're good enough for heaven, but you're not good enough for heaven, you're up the creek without a paddle. The truth is, none of us are good enough for heaven. We've all fallen short. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today. It is declaring these truths to people by the mouths of Christians from faith to faith. And when someone lives out their life saying, no, Holy Spirit, you're a liar, what's going to happen to them when they die? They're not going to be forgiven, are they? And they will spend eternity being punished for their sin. But when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are saved forever. Now, verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For a tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Can a person speak good things? They can. Where are those good? How are they going to be able to speak good things? From the word of God, right? If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, He has made you right. And when you declare the truth of the word of God, it's true and it's good, right? But believe me, there are people who are not redeemed and they are speaking things that are false. Absolutely, completely wrong. Absolutely, completely wrong. And we need to, we need to be sure that what they're saying is true. We need to be careful about the way they present the Word of God. I'm not against telling stories or, or giving examples or, or even having uh, uh, some kind of visual thing to be able to see, but there are men who use that because it's powerful and effective to take a verse and twist it to mean something it didn't mean at all, but you say, man, that's a good story. Man, that's a good visual presentation. I'd rather not have a visual presentation, but have the truth of the Word of God. That'd be good to have both. But there are men who are powerful speakers because they use stories, because they give illustrations, because they use visuals. But what they're teaching is completely wrong. How are we going to know that? What does the Word of God say? Is that example what God's trying to get across? And if it's not, what should we do? That's wrong. I'm not going to listen to that, right? And we need to be careful. Because some of the most powerful preachers in our country today are teaching false doctrine. And we're only going to, how are we going to know them? By their fruits. 
What is what are they teaching? Is it in line with the word of God? And if not, I'm not going to listen to them anymore. Right. Their fruit is bad out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. Galatians chapter one. We have these false teachers in Galatians. They were teaching that they, in order to be saved, in order to really be a child of God, you had to be circumcised. They were teaching a false doctrine, a false gospel. And this is what the scripture says in verse seven or verse six. I marvel not that you are so soon removed from him who called you into uh, into the grace of God unto another gospel, which is not another But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. They twist the word of God. They make the plain understanding of the, of the word of God, of the gospel, and they, they twist it and they make, they mar it. That's what the word pervert means. It's, it's no longer what it normally would be. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which is preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you other than that you have received, let him be accursed. Right? And so by the fruit of a person's words. How else are we going to know them? Well, we'll know them by their deeds. If they are teaching... And it, and it seems like they're teaching the right thing, but their deeds don't line up with it. We'll know them by their fruits. Their, their evil deeds. It's amazing how these, how often these charlatans get caught doing something really despicable. I mean, really despicable. And that's, that's by design. Whose design? God's design. God's design. Because He wants to show the world these people are false teachers. We'll know them by their fruits. In uh, Revelation 2, the Scripture says in verse 2, talking to this church in Ephesus, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Well, how did they find that they were liars? Because they were evil, right? They were evil. And you can find these types of people in all walks of Christianity. Here's what I'm saying. If a man on TV has an adulterous affair, I think... That you shouldn't listen to him anymore. I just whether whether he's a good man or not, I think he needs to do something else with his life. But likely, there's a good chance that he was teaching some wrong things. Even among fundamental Baptist churches, we've seen this in the past five years, ten years or so. I, my time is all messed up. One of the biggest churches in all of America was sleeping with a. 16-year-old girl. He's in jail. I think that's where he belongs. Listen, I don't know much about this guy. I'm going to go back and listen to some of his sermons. And some of the stuff I listened to, I said, how could anybody listen to this? It's wrong. It's wrong. I'm glad he got caught. 
Because if he continued teaching this stuff, it, 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 people should not listen. He, it should just not be. That's true. By the way, you don't have to be Christian to do stupid stuff. You can be the president. And then say something like this. I'm under a lot of stress. There's a lot of people under a lot of stress and not sleeping around. <laughs> right? And this is true. Now, is there forgiveness? Certainly. But it, it should take a person off a pedestal. Right? I don't think Jimmy Swagger should have a forum for people. I just don't. Pastor, what if that happens to you? Then I need to find something else to do. Right? Can saved people fail and do something like that? Well, David did, didn't he? He even murdered somebody. Right? Now, he wasn't a pastor. He was a man after God's own heart. That's true. May God help us. What am I saying? I'm saying we'll know them by their fruits. Mm-hmm. And man, if the fruit of their life is, is wickedness, where they, you know, a man who, who is mean-spirited and unkind and, and doesn't have any evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, you know, we hear about politicians all the time, what they are in their background. You know what? Christians should be in the background. You know, one of the things I appreciate about Christians, men and women who live for the Lord, you think about Mr. Rogers. He was a Presbyterian preacher. No doubt he believes in things I wouldn't believe. But what were his fruits? Would you say Mr. Rogers was evil? No. Everybody who met the guy thought, man, there is somebody who really cares. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know everything there is to know about Mr. Rogers. I didn't hear his sermons. I tell you, the fruit of the man is something else, isn't it? You know, you hear about men like D.L. Moody. And people say, what was he like? Not, not out of the pulpit. They didn't say he was a mean, nasty guy. He was the kind of guy that could be around children and they loved him. That's, that's what I want people to be able to say about me. Children loved him. You make, does that make sense? Philippians 3, 18. We'll know them by their fruits. What are their fruits? <clears throat> For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. We'll know them. What are they? What is their mind towards? Their mind is towards earthly things. They don't really care about spiritual things. They care about earthly things. Which brings us to this last thing. We'll know them by their fruits. They're sensual. Their desire is. Their motivation is wicked. 
Turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. But there are also false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon them swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. And so, what is the motivation of these false teachers? Money. (laughs) Right? Follow the money. Follow the money. What does that mean? Well, if a man is using his position, his influence to get rich, within the Christian realm, I think that's bad. We're not selling tinker toys. Right? The pulpit is not... For capitalism. I'm all for capitalism. But not for the pulpit. Not for the pastor. Now does it, that mean the pastor takes a vow of poverty? No. Does that mean that, that he's a pauper? No. But I also don't believe that he's a CEO. I think it's wrong for Bernie Sanders... To get mad at CEOs for making however much money they can make. Because they're CEOs of companies whose main reason for existing is to sell products to make money. And if a man does a good enough job at selling that product as the CEO of the company, he ought to make as much money as he can. But not the pastor. We have a bigger thing to do. And by the way, I always appreciate the CEO who says, you know what? I made millions of dollars and I am going to, and there have been CEOs, the CEO of John Deere, not today, but it used to be. You know what he did? He supported over a hundred missionaries fully by himself. Now we, we support about 15 missionaries at a hundred dollars a month. Can you live off a hundred dollars a month? No. Most of these guys need sixty, seventy thousand dollars. He supported them, a hundred of them, sixty to seventy thousand dollars a month, and maybe it was thirty to forty thousand dollars a month back then. And he supported them by himself, him and his family, over a hundred of them. That's amazing, isn't it? You have to be a Christian to do that kind of stuff. I always appreciate that. But if he said, you know what, I don't want to do that, what am I going to say? You know, D.L. Moody, he was maligned. I, I don't, don't know why I'm talking about D.L. Moody a lot, but he was maligned because he sold hymnals. And they said he's making a lot of money off hymnals. You know what he did with every single dollar he made off the hymnals? He started 
schools for children where they didn't have to pay one dime to go to that school. In other words, he could go up to a child in the middle of the city who's an orphan living on the streets, and they lived on the streets back then, and say, where are you going to school? He said, I don't go to school. You're going to go to my school, and you don't have to pay a dime. They did that with dozens, hundreds of kids. It's a whole different thing, isn't it? whole different thing. Don't follow people who are going to make merchandise after you. Don't follow people who are making merchandise of other people. Say, I don't give money to the guy. Don't follow him. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. You with me? The last thing is may God help us to be people who know the word of God in such a way that we can figure these guys out before they're done with their first sermon. And you can do that as you follow the Lord, as you learn the word of God. I can listen to guys and say, man, this guy's off. I don't need to listen to him anymore. Because he, he, he just takes the scriptures and twists it, perverts it. And you can do that as you continue to grow. you got questions about someone, you can ask a seasoned Christian. But here's the problem. How many false teachers are there? More than I could ever know. And so we cannot put the burden of knowing if a person is a false teacher or not on the pastor. Because I could never know them all. I can know some. But I can't know them all. And so how are you going to be able to figure it out? Now you can come ask and I'll start doing research and get all that. But you can learn the Word of God too. Amen? In 1 Thessalonians 5.21, you can write this down. It says, prove all things according to the Scripture. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, try the spirits. Try. We'll know them by their fruits. By the way, we need not be afraid of these people. Because what is the end of their lives? Their end is destruction. Scripture says they are like, they are like trees that give evil fruit and they'll be cast into the fire. I don't want to be one of them. I can't lose my salvation. I know that. But I know there's a lot of folks out there that are preaching that aren't saved. They're teaching wrong things. They are going to face, I believe they're going to face a worse hell than a lot of folks because of what they've done. Jesus said it would be better for them to put a millstone around their neck and be cast in the midst of the sea. May God help us. I don't say these things to hurt anybody. But I do say them to warn you because the Scripture does. Right? Figure them out by their fruits. You can do that. Amen? You can do that. May God help us. I praise God that we have one who never says anything wrong. Everything he says is true. Everything he says is right. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. When we get saved, we are brought into the family of God. 
We're brought into the family of God. We're, we're separated from everything that is false by Him. And though we still sin, and brethren, I still sin, He has called us to be with Him and to fellowship with Him.